Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Hey everyone, it's Kulmahey here. So today I'm presenting you with another rambling episode. This is just me, no guests, just me talking to you about what I think is important in today's world of work. So as you know, you know, one of my key drivers is really emotional intelligence. What does emotional intelligence mean? What does it do? What does it look like? For many people, you'll have heard of the phrase or the concept of emotional intelligence. Many of us that think about emotional intelligence often think about it in the context of four quadrants. So there's self-awareness, knowing how your emotions affect your behavior. Uh, managing a self-management this is what when you have this greater awareness of how your emotions are affecting your behavior on a day-to-day basis literally sort of um, how you show up how you behave on a day-to-day basis uh, and maybe there are aspects of that that you don't particularly like about yourself or self-management is that process or that quadrant where you commit to changing your behavior or changing the, maybe even changing the, the way that you manage or experience emotions. Because if you think differently, obviously, you will behave differently. So the third quadrant is sort of awareness of outside of yourself. Some may call it social awareness. Some may call it uh, awareness of the organization. Some may call it environmental awareness. But it really is an awareness of how the world operates outside of yourselves, how other people operate, how other people's emotions affect their behaviors, or maybe how you, the organization or the team that you work in, or maybe the, the community group that you're in, or the friendship group that you're in, how that really truly operates. beyond the strategies, the policies, the rules, the regulations that may be in place, how do things really work? And uh, I often use a phrase to describe this whole concept of social awareness uh, or awareness of others, and it is literally being able to read the room. It's about having your radar switched on to really understand how things work around you. And then finally... There is the fourth quadrant of emotional intelligence, which is building relationships. And that's what I want to really focus on today. So you often uh, hear me talking about human-centered leadership. What does human-centered leadership mean? Why do I feel it's so important? What does that phrase mean to me when I wake up in the morning and I I tell myself human-centered leadership? What am I actually saying to myself? Okay, 
So in essence, I'm talking about these four quadrants of emotional intelligence. And when I work with emotional intelligence with my clients, whether it would be an organization or whether I am delivering some leadership coaching, one-on-one leadership coaching with a senior leader, I work on 26 competencies that underpin those four quadrants. So we're going to a very granular level when it comes to emotional intelligence. And the one thing that I've learned by working across these 26 competencies at this very granular level of emotional intelligence is that it literally covers everything. Everything there is to know about leadership is covered within those 26 competencies. So if you are talking about conflict management or decision making or and even these things that we call imposter syndrome, I call it the inner dialogue. All of these kind of things are covered within those 26 competencies. So my feeling is that if we master those 26 competencies, not only does our emotional intelligence improve and increase uh, and be the best that we can be at that level, we also become better leaders. And this is where human-centered leadership comes in for me. Human-centered leadership is really about understanding that we are surrounded by and we are serving as leaders human beings and human beings by their very nature are perfectly imperfect and we're very complex now therein lies a challenge around the complexity of what makes a human being but actually once you understand that complexity and you are able to work within that and get the best out of people your, important, uh, your bottom line will improve, your performance improves, your profit margins increase, because people should show up and they will do the very best that they can be, uh, be the very best that they can be, purely and simply because they feel happy and safe in the environment that they're in. They may feel happier, safer in the, in the romantic relationship they're in, in the friendship their relationship that they're in or in the workplace relationships that they show up to. More and more statistics have shown over the last three years, ever since we went into the whole lockdown and experienced COVID and our world shifted, we have started thinking differently. More and more people sort of recalibrated their priorities during that, uh, I mean, you'll remember this, won't you? When you were there, everything was in lockdown. The world went silent, didn't it? And we were sitting in our back gardens or on our terraces or sitting in our, in, in our rooms, maybe having conversations with people that we love. And we realised that there are more important things in life than just work. And that work was such a fundamental part of who we were. I mean, we literally spent something like, what is it, about a third of our lives in the workplace? Um, that... It is important that that third of our lives that we spend in the workplace are of good quality for us. That they help us grow. That we feel fulfilled, that we feel safer, right? So I was, um, I was having this conversation with somebody, you know, during lockdown. And this person was a very, very senior leader. And he was still working 12 hours a day during lockdown. And he said, cool. He said, I've realised something. You know, I, okay, I was working like 8, 9, 10, 12 hours back in the, you know, when I was going to work. And on top of that, I had travelling time. I love my job. I love what I do. But he says, you know, sitting here now in my little 
ramshackle office that I've created at home. And many of us did this, didn't we? We just created these like offices. I was lucky. Like I literally, when we, when lockdown came, I was just delivering a program in a university and we were just on day two and they announced lockdown. So I came home and I was like, oh my goodness, what, what does the world look like? Many of us were thinking like this, weren't we? What does the world look like? And the one thing that I realized was, hey, the world is going to change and we may be doing this for a long, long time. You know, this concept of working from home. So I remember coming home and saying to my wife, yeah, we need to create a, an office. We need to make it look good. So my wife is like the creative person. So everything that you see behind me has been created by my wife. Uh, but I went out and, you know, I'm a bit of a, a techie kind of person. And I went out and bought these lights and microphones and du dual screens and all this kind of stuff just so I could operate the very best that I could operate at. From home. So we're chatting like this, you know, this, this, this chap and I, and he's there working 12 hours a day at home. And he said, I had this realization that here I am in the comfort of my own home. And he said, but all I'm thinking about is work. All I'm thinking about is the workplace, the demands of the workplace. And he said, I've also realized something about my workplace. I, I've realized that they don't really seem to care about me. Here I am. I'm a senior leader in the organization. And yet I am still being expected to literally jump from one meeting to another meeting to another meeting. I mean, many, many people have told me this since that one of the greatest frustrations of hybrid working and I, you know, and, and working from home has been that the, this expectation that you're able to, you know, literally finish a meeting at 10 o'clock and jump into the next meeting at 10 o'clock and you have no respite throughout the day. I mean, that's not a healthy place to be. And we wouldn't have done this had we been back in the workplace, you know, uh, pre-2020, would we? Even the most severe of organisations would have allowed you some kind of respite between meetings. And so he was chatting away like this and he says, I've realised that if this is what's happening to me at a senior level, imagine what's happening to more junior people and what kind of an organisation we have, therefore. He says, I think we need to understand that this impact that we're having on people is not a healthy impact. It's not healthy on me, certainly. You know, he's not making my life any better. I don't feel that I'm thinking, uh, you know, in a much more sort of a relaxed way, a much more wider and longer and deeper way. I feel like I'm reacting all the time to circumstances around us and other people's expectations. And when I think back to that conversation, I think, goodness gracious, how many of those conversations have I had over the last three years? Now, what he committed to doing was that when he goes back into his organisation, um, he was going to sit together with all of his senior colleagues and talk about the human beings in their organisation and how important it was for the organisational focus to be around those human beings. Because he recognised that at the end of the day, it's the human beings in our organisations that deliver the work that we promise other people, our clients, our customers, our communities is carried out by the human beings in our organisation. And if those human beings are not feeling um, psychologically safe, I mean, this is a phrase, it's, come, it's a brand new phrase, really. It's only just appeared in the last few years. But I, I like the phrase because it means something. If they don't feel psychologically safe, or if they don't feel valued, if they don't feel appreciated, if they don't feel seen or heard, then what's going to happen? They're not going to work to their nth degree, right? To their full potential. 
And then, of course, we hear these other new phrases in the last three years, you know, things like the... The, the, the great resignation where people have started leaving in droves, leaving organisations in droves in the search for a better organisation where they feel better, appreciated, valued, heard and seen. We've seen terms like quiet quitting and this is particularly relevant to what we're talking about right now. That If, if you don't feel valued in an organisation and you don't have the courage to maybe get up and go to an organ another organisation, you're just not going to be inspired or motivated to work to your full potential. You know that you can, there's plenty more left in your tank at the end of the day that you could do, but you don't do it. You work to the minimum standard. You do what's minimally required of you just to get through the day. And I think that's sad because I'm a firm believer. I always have been a firm believer, both for myself and for the people that I serve as a leader, uh, that we should all be giving our very best at every opportunity so that we, you know, I always, I, I always say that my litmus test is how well I sleep at night. And I sleep well at night knowing that I did everything that I could have done in that day, that I achieved my full potential in that day. That for me is very, very important. And I actually think for most people, it's pretty important to know that they've added value. You know, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, one of those basic human needs that we have is, is, is this sense of achievement, this sense of that we, we, we matter, this sense of uh, we have a place in society. And I think to have a place in an organisation, to be a part of the organisation's overall performance is, is, a, is a really big, big thing for most people. But it, we're not going to feel it. We're not going to want it. We're not going to do it unless we feel that we're in the right organisation. So, you know, this is part of the very foundation as to why I believe that human-centric leadership is very, very important. And it's not a new concept. You know, many leaders, many transformational leaders, when I can say the word, have been doing this for a long, long time. It's not overly complex. For me, it's really about having an emotionally intelligent culture where you work to improve at the granular level your 26 competency areas, where you get to read the room, get to read the environment, get to see people and understand how people operate, to build rapport and build a foundation of trust in your organisation or your team. That's critical. And many people have been doing that for a long time. I mean, I, when I was a, a leader in the UK police service... What I used to do is literally block out an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon just so I can go and talk to my, my staff, just so I can build human relationships with them, so I get to know them. I knew who had what qualifications. I knew who'd had a new baby or was expecting. I knew who'd just maybe bought a puppy or somebody who was about to get married or somebody whose parents might have been going through some kind of illness, etc., etc., etc. I knew people. And the fact that I knew these people helped me to build a bridge of trust between me and them. So when I did ask for extra, you know, maybe the, a new project came by, maybe a deadline had been moved forward, people were more willing to jump up and say, let's do this together. That 
is the power of human-centered leadership, I believe. So I just want to unpack this whole concept of human-centered leadership. Um, you know, we're having a conference. I feel so excited that uh, I'm finally getting to a point where I'm having a leadership conference called the Human-Centered Leadership Conference. Uh, and we've just opened up the ticket sales for that. So if you are able to make it, I absolutely encourage you to make it. We have What I've tried to do with this conference is get you the top leaders across a whole variety of industries. These are leaders who understand the power of human-centric leadership and where it sits in the in the place, the future place of workplace cultures. And I want to demonstrate that across all sorts of industries, at the very top of it all sits this concept of leadership. And the concept of leadership is a transferable concept. And it is transferable across all these multitude uh, multitudes of industries. So we've got people from the top of the army, the British army. We've got people who are uh, extremely senior leaders across a very, very wide uh, uh, reaching global organisation, four billion pound turnover organisation. We've got people who um, are some of the leading lights in the world of uh, diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, it's one of the top 20 DEI consultants in the world. We have got people who are sitting at the very top end of governmental bodies or public sector uh, 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 commissioning boards and things like that. So we've got some really, really top end people. We've got a police and crime commissioner. So I'm trying to get this, I've tried to get this broad brush uh, element of um, top speakers, top leaders who can speak to the area of human-centred leadership and how they imply it in their world and why they believe that this is a future of workplace cultures. And then we've also been able to collaborate with something called Disrupt HR. Disrupt HR is like this global um, community, if you like, of HR leaders from some of the biggest brands in the world. And there, I have spoken at a Disrupt HR event here in the UK and I was so impressed by it. So if you imagine it's like a bit of a TEDx talk where every speaker is given five minutes to talk and those five minutes are really tightly controlled in so much as they have to have 20 slides and each slide will automatically transition after every 15 seconds, I think it is. So that makes up five minutes and it's an incredible experience. Uh, but uh, we're going to have six speakers who are going to do that. They're brave. But these speakers come from some of the top organisations, top brands within the UK. So, you know, we've got a, we've got a lot going on. We're going to have panel discussions. We're going to have some interviews where I'll be conducting some podcast-style interviews. So if you love the podcast, you'll get to see me live on the stage interviewing someone. And we'll obviously have questions from the audience as well. I'm really looking forward to presenting this human-centered leadership conference it's going to be on the 26th of march uh, this year and the tickets have just gone live so if you want to look at the tickets grab hold of some tickets just look for www.humancenteredleadership.co.uk and i'm so excited that this brand that we started like two years ago human-centered leadership 
is now getting to a point where we can actually have, where we'll actually be having a conference uh, and having people in the audience like valued people. I, you know, I often talk about like-minded versus like-valued. Like-minded are people who, you know, sort of in the ballpark think the same thing, but like-valued people, I like to think that the people who listen in to uh, this show uh, are very much like-valued. They come from a much deeper place so how cool would that be to have an audience full of like-valued people all talking about the same thing, all committed to driving the whole concept of human-centered leadership in our workplaces in this post-COVID world? As I say, everything has changed. We're not where we used to be, right? We, we are not... We are not going to work like we used to do, you know, in 2019, as late as 2019. We're not thinking in the same way. Um, and I think that um, we have reshaped the place of work. Certainly the needs or the desires of people going into work have changed. There has been so much research done. Um, and I'm popping across research all the time that demonstrates that more and more people want to see that they feel valued in the workplace. Even when you think, think of things like, you know, EDI, equity, diversity and inclusion, that in of itself for me is not enough. You know, to, it's not enough to think about let's having, represent, having the right representation of the right demographics in our organisation. Some, something like 87% of young people look for uh, organisations that have got EDI policies that are being lived out. So it's not enough to just talk about representation. EDI is far more than that. And for me, fundamentally, EDI is about the diversity of thought. Think about that. How many organisations have you seen where there's lots and lots of women or there's an equity in terms of the whole gender thing, uh, gender uh, uh, sort of dem demographic or that uh, LGBT um, is, is celebrated within an organisation or that there's more BAME within an organisation but you know we could chase these demographics till the cows come home we could talk about start talking about old and old and young we can start talking about uh, you know gay straight and um, and, and different sort of so social economic uh, environments that people have come through but fundamentally, unless that organisation really opens itself up to allowing everyone to come with different ideas and have a different conversation, a different dialogue in that organisation, unless that happens, all of these represented characteristics in our organisation simply won't do enough. It's like going out and buying the best fish and putting them into a fish pond that's still dirty. They'll still opt out. They'll still become ill. So it's that fish pond that we need to clean. And that, for me, is that drive towards human-centric leadership. Human-centric leadership is about creating a culture where everybody matters, where everybody is heard, where everybody is seen, everybody is appreciated, where we don't have to talk about diversity. What we talk about is embracing different views, different ways of thinking, and let's face it, the one thing that we've seen in this world, in the post-COVID world, is that this world is changing all the time. That whole concept of the VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, has never been truer as it is right now. The world is extremely volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, isn't it? Let's, th let's face it. 
look around you. Switch on the news and you'll see how the world is reshaping itself all the time and not always for the best. And here's the other thing. This constant shifting and shaping of the world seems to be increasing in speed. I don't know about you, but it's whether I'm just getting old, (laughs) everything seems to be sped up for me. And this whole rate of change in the world seems to be constant. It seems to be so accelerated. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's only like six months ago where AI was so big a news. Everybody was talking about AI. But now it's almost become like this norm. You know, you can have AI generated videos of an individual speaking in their voice, saying things that they haven't actually said. And that's almost become a norm and it's being accepted. So now we're looking at the next generation of AI. So we're moving in this really, really fast-paced world. And unless you have the diversity of thought in your organization, unless you have the leadership courage to create that culture in your organization where everybody has a freedom of speech, a freedom of thought, the opportunity to introduce new ideas, new ways of thinking, new angles, new perceptions, unless you can do that, then how on earth can you become agile as an organization? How can you drive creativity and innovation in your organization, which is a real challenge for organizations right now? Agility is another word that's been used so much, and we need to become more agile because If we don't, this is the kind of world that we're in. If we don't shift, have the ability to shift and move with the swaying currents of the changes in the world, then there's a danger that we could get left behind. There's a danger that others might overtake us. There's a danger that we might get swallowed by the waves of change. And that's the reality of the world right now. So I think, you know, organizations need to become more agile And in order for them to be more agile, they need to have diversity of thought. You can't just rely upon that traditional groupthink mentality. This is the way that we've always done it. This is the style of thinking that we've always had. These are the kind of ideas or strategies or priorities that we've always followed. So we need to stay true to who we were. But who we were is not uh, necessarily uh, applicable in the world that we are. Right? Makes sense. So for me, this is what EDI is truly all about. And again, it comes back down to human-centered leadership. We need to be in touch with the human beings who sit within our organizations or the human beings that we serve as a consequence of the work that we do in our organizations. We need to be really, really good at building those relationships, building that foundation of trust, to build the bridges of rapport to allow us to communicate really effectively with each other. I don't know about you, but over the years, I have seen so many management models, so many management theories All of which, when you strip them down, they're actually saying the same thing. But I think the reason why so many organizations haven't implemented that is because of the complexity of some of these management models. So I'm all about simplicity. I think life should be really simple. I don't know about you. I think we we put layers of confusion and complexity over concepts and ideas, so much so that they paralyze us into inaction. 
And we become frightened that this is going to take forever. This is going to be far too long. This is going to be a, a, you know, a masterpiece that's going to take years and years and years. And I don't believe that to be the truth. Because whatever we think that we don't make a start, whatever we don't make a start, we'll never have an ending. So for me, bring it all back down to simplicity. What is it at its very, very simple core? It's about human beings building relationships with human beings. And if we can embed that at a very foundational level in our leadership thinking, I genuinely believe that we can transform our workplaces, that we can create a culture that's vibrant, that's a, a culture where uh, you know attrition will become a thing of the past and there'll be stickability to our organisations and teams and that people work way beyond, way beyond the minimum standard and work to their fullest potential. But we need to create that. We need to have the leadership courage to be able to challenge the way that we've been sort of conditioned to think over the years. We need to break away from that and say, hey, this is not about chasing KPIs. I'm not going to uh, think of EDI in the t concept and context of these protected characteristics necessarily. Because whatever I'm doing, I understand that I'm homogenizing people in the process. I'm homogenizing groups, saying that all women think the same thing or have the same needs or all black people have the same needs. And it's nonsensical. Everybody's a human being. And it really is about understanding what a culture could look like and feel like whereby everybody came to work and felt, wow, this is the place to be. This is where I belong because I feel valued here. I feel appreciated here. I feel seen and I feel heard. And it embraces a diversity of thought. It embraces my, my way of thinking. So that's my ramble for today. I hope that you are able to come to the Human Centered Leadership Conference on the 26th of March in Birmingham. Um, we look forward to seeing you there. You can get tickets, find out more about it at www.humancenteredleadership.co.uk. Just imagine 400 people gathered together, all like valued, all committed to creating organizational cultures where people stick and that's what it's all about have a great day and i will see you soon with a brand new guest all the best bye bye thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content and of course connect with me on linkedin take care have a great day